Alrighty team, good morning. Welcome to episode number 45 of the Audio Podcast with Alex and Jason Von Kennel, the Auto Bros, coming at you, not live, uh, from a Saturday morning. Beautiful Saturday, Saturday morning. Mm. Now, we've got a massive show for you today. A lot of stuff going on. We're going to be talking about, so we both had our three-month DEXA scans. Yeah, and we've not spoken about them. We've not spoken about them, so we're yeah. going to go through the results uh, live for you guys. We're going to, I'm going to give you a brief update on my ear stuff and the BPPV because I had a, a physio session yesterday, which was really, really interesting. We'll briefly touch on state of origin as well. Obviously, big game on Wednesday night. Very uh, interesting result. Mm. But first, the most interesting thing that's happened in the past week I want you to take the floor, Alex, because you had a very, very interesting story uh, to to discuss. Welcome, everyone. Um, dude, what a week. <laughs> what a week. So, we've spoken in the past about the issues that I've had with property investment, and I've illustrated up until the point that serves you right for putting in that card, but not the one that I <laughs> issued you this morning. So I burnt my lips off so just for uh, anyone yeah, that's, that's stupid. Mine's, just listening. mine's nice. Mm-hmm. So I had the locks changed in my house two weeks ago as part, the, the, part of the process after it goes to mm-hmm. QCAT. So anyone who missed that okay, episode, so just, just long yeah, short, give us a brief. I have, an, I have, a, I have a, a house on the Gold Coast. Uh, the tenant stops paying rent for two months behind. It goes to, so we, we send a like notice to leave. He says, like, no, I'm not leaving. So it goes to QCAT, which is the like a tribunal that looks after this type of thing. He didn't show up at the tribunal, which mm-hmm. is a good thing, because if he would have rocked up, they probably would have just sided with him, but mm-hmm. he didn't. So they said, okay, you've got a, uh, you've got to leave. And here is your uh, notice of, oh, now I've just lost it. Uh, it's a notice of, Eviction? No, 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 no. They don't do eviction notices here. It's called a warrant of possession. Right, for the for the property. For the property. Yeah. So that's basically me and the police and my property managers getting my property back. Mm-hmm. It's got a certain date on it. And within that date, the the we can talk to them and say, okay, you've got till this date to get all your stuff out. Anyway, he, had, he was supposed to be out two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And then on Tuesday this week... I met my property manager there at nine o'clock to do a inspection. Yep. So you always inspect your properties after a tenant has been in there, mm-hmm. just in case there's any damage or anything, mm-hmm. or anything that needs uh, work on before you put new tenants in. Yeah, and obviously and I, you're gonna have to make an insurance claim based on the things like the unpaid rent and stuff already. Sure. So you gotta look through the whole property, make sure there's anything else that needs to roll into the same place. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So we get there nine o'clock on the dot. Uh, my property manager pulls out his shiny brand new keys because that's the only set in existence yep. and new locks. Brand new, new locks. Yep. Uh, walk into the property, there's stuff everywhere. Like and we knew, like we'd both done drive bys, we knew that there was still stuff out the front. Yeah. Open the door, take three steps in, and I say to my property manager, Someone's still here. And she goes, No, 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 he's been out for two weeks. I said, Well, the lights are on in that back room, the lights are on in the hallway, and I can hear the shower going. And then there's his clothes on the on the floor. I'm like, okay, let's get out of here. Mm. So so we get out and call the police. And it's it's a triple zero call now because now it's it's, it's like break and enter. It's break and enter. Yeah, yeah. So the police come like ten minutes later, full noise, sirens on. And this is where to me it gets strange. Right. So that that part was pretty strange. <laughs> yeah. But this this is where I think it gets really strange. 
So the police, the police walk in. Now, in the meantime, in the 10 minutes that I'm waiting for the police to arrive, I'm standing on, there's a shared driveway between the unit, the unit, uh, unit two. Mm-hmm. So I'm standing facing the properties. Yeah. And my property manager is facing me and the street. Yeah. So just, just to, uh, so people can visualize this. So it's two units. So Alex owns both the units of both rental properties. There's a front unit and a rear unit, and the shared driveway goes down the right-hand side mm. to the to the back unit, but there's also a back door for unit one down that driveway as yeah, well. Yeah, so it's a common driveway. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I'm, I'm talking with my property manager, and I see a head poke out. And then I'm like, oh, I think I've just seen him. He, he, so he's, he's definitely there. Mm-hmm. So the police come around. We, they, they come and talk to us first. We tell them the situation. You know, the locks are changed. Warrant of possession. Mm-hmm. The whole lot. You know, it's court ordered. Yeah. They walk in. Five minutes later, they walk back out again. But without the guy. And I'm like, okay, that's strange. I would have thought they will just take him away. Mm-hmm. And they're saying, oh, he never... He's saying he's never access the property he was out the back hosing and I said okay uh, check the shower uh, he said he wasn't having a shower he's never accessed the property he's been on the outside and he's got till 5 o'clock today to remove all his items off the property was he wet? I didn't see him I didn't see him like that I right. didn't see him close enough and I said to the police okay well go check the shower then so they go back inside yeah the shower's wet and the towels are wet and the floor's wet but he's saying that it's a damp room and it just takes a while for things to dry. Two and weeks. I said, two weeks. <laughs> and the property manager goes, that's, that we've had no problems with ventilation. That's got a fan, like a, an mm-hmm. exhaust fan in that, in that bathroom. You know, we've lived in that property before. Yeah. No problem. No problem with that. Uh, okay. So it, I said, can we, get, can we access the property? I actually want to go inside and mm-hmm. look. He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll come with you. And this, so me trying to be a bit like, like a bit detective, mm. I'm looking for clues, mm. right? The police are looking for clues too. One of the police thinks that, because I checked all the doors yeah, and the doors are all locked. Okay. And the police are looking outside and he goes, does that roof tile look funny? Some of the grout around one roof tile is missing. Okay. And it's like, it's, it's fallen, like the grout's fallen away and it's sort of two meters away, like down the roof. Right. So it's fr- like, that's pretty fresh. I'm like, yeah. And he's like, and there's your manhole cover. The manhole mm-hmm. cover and there's a table underneath. So I'm checking for footprints on the manhole cover. Couldn't see any. Um, but my detective brain goes, how long does it take for like vitamin C to go bad? I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, there's a fresh orange, peeled orange <laughs> on the ground in one of the rooms that is glistening. Glistening with juiciness. <laughs> and, and, um, anyway, so, so, um, basically nothing happens on that day. The police say to the guy, you've got to five o'clock, we're going to swing past tomorrow. And if you're here, you're going to jail. So with, when he said he was hosing out the back, was there any water out the back? Yes, he was hosing. So the guy's smart. The guy's really, really smart. So he, I think he heard the allegation. Yeah. Okay. Right. So he knows that he was in the shower, for example, and mm-hmm. goes, okay, I've just been busted. What do I do? I exit the property. Yeah. I turn a hose on so I can say that's what the, the noise of the yeah. water was. And then I've, I have broken one less law. Yeah. 
So obviously a few things. Number one, the same as first radio. No. And, but number two, like the thing that still gets me about the whole thing is he still wasn't supposed to be on the property two weeks later. Yeah. But for some, some reason, that's out the window. So anyway, then I also mentioned to the police too, if he po- he poked his head out on that side, the right hand side of the house, mm-hmm. and he was hosing on the left hand side of the house, there's only two ways to do that. Two ways to get from the right hand side where I saw him mm-hmm. to the left hand side where the police found him. Mm-hmm. And that is to either walk down the driveway towards the street, past us, mm-hmm. into the front gate, and out the side. Mm-hmm. Or the second option is through the property. Yeah. So I'm like, is that not. You know, that's proof enough. Anyway, my, my feeling was that the police, there was no way the police could pin him down to being that guy being inside yeah, that the, property. Yeah, because at the end of the day, the police showed up. You could have just walked inside, turned the, the shower on yourself. Like, it was it was your word against his. Yeah. So you could have easily entered the property, tried to catch this bloke out, turned the shower on, and then fabricated that story to try to get a result. So I could see where the police are sort of yeah. coming from with yeah, it. Yeah, and I get that too. But the other thing too is he, he would have had enough time to go around and lock all the doors from the inside as well. Mm-hmm. Because obviously he only has to, he only had to enter that roof tile once to be able to then just unlock maybe the back door yep. on the inside. And then he can just come and go as he pleases yep. for the last two. Yeah. So it gets to the point where, oh, th- th- no, this is another wild part too. Th- he knows his rights, I think, better than what, well, definitely better than what I know, definitely mm-hmm. better than what my property manager knows, and I think better than what the police know. Yeah. He was so confident in himself. He's sitting in the front yard amongst all his shit. And yeah. like just a yard full of crap. Looks like a wrecker's yard. A wrecker's yard would have been more organised. Yeah. yeah. And he, while the police are saying, so what's your plan to get all this stuff out? Because you're not moving. Like you're, you're not doing anything. So what's your plan to get out? And he's like, yeah. Yeah, I'll be out. I'll be out at five o'clock. Yeah, okay. But have you got a, have you got a truck coming? <laughs> have, you got a, have you got a van coming? Have you got a trailer coming? Yeah, trailer. Yeah, I've got a trailer coming. Yeah, okay. He's just he's just saying checking the boxes that he that he needs to check. And and he could have he could easily just say, Yeah, I'll be out at five o'clock, as in him physically out at five o'clock when the police yeah. go and check and I'll be back at five thirty. Yeah, you didn't say I could come back. Yeah, five that's right. Later. Yeah, I said I'd be out at five o'clock. Yeah. You told me to be out at five o'clock, I was out at five o'clock. So uh, we also know that so, okay, so I leave. Uh, by that point I'll say to my property manager, there's no use like like, what do we do? Look, there's nothing we can do until at least five o'clock mm. tonight. So, I'm out of here. Then I thought, okay, I'll get a couple of people that are nearby, just to do a drive-by, yourself included, mm. just to see if the stuff is gone. Mm-hmm. Was the stuff gone? No. No. So, I, I did a drive-by the next morning. Are we going to the next morning yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. So I, I, the next morning, uh, I had actually... I was in the area anyway, because I was going to visit... I was dropping Nate off at Amanda's mum's place. And so I thought I'd go and do a drive-by just to see if, this, if any of the stuff was gone or the, or the bloke was still there. So when I get there, sure enough, all the stuff's still there. And, like, there's there's a lot of stuff. There's a, there's a boat. Yeah, like a tinny. Like a tinny. There's a, um, a three industrial fridges that were still connected to power that were yep. on when, when I was there. Yeah. There is uh, uh, building supplies. There's paint. There's yeah. a dirt bike. It just—it looks like just a series of items that he's just pilfered from building sites or other places and just store them in your house. Like I don't even know if this guy legally owns any of this. But stuff. sell them and pay me rent. 
Yeah, but but why would he do that when he can just not pay your rent and live there forever anyway? Yeah, true. Um, so I actually sat up the road. Uh, I felt like I was on like a covert stakeout because mm-hmm. uh, I'd actually you're peeking a bit. Well, I had I had switched cars with Amanda's mum. Yep, smooth move. So I obviously had a different vehicle. I parked up the road so he couldn't, and it was just it was so interesting because I just sat there for it was probably forty five minutes mm-hmm. that I sat there watching this guy, and it looked like so. When I had gotten there, the boat had been moved from inside the property to outside on the street. It was actually chained to the street sign. To the giveaway sign, yep. Which, there's another funny story behind that too in regards to the council and how their rights are different to yours. But his car was parked on the driveway but outside the gate. So that had been like an improvement from the day before. And it was full of stuff. And I, I, I called Alex at the time and I was saying like, it looks like he's making an effort to move. Because all he was doing, I literally sat there for 45 minutes mm. and he was just doing slow laps of out to the car, back into your yard, out to the car, back into your yard. But he was never moving items between the two places. Yeah, Jason was telling me, he's like, he's got, he's got one thing in, one item in one hand and he's walked to the car, he's opened the car and he's put that one item inside the car. Yeah. Okay. Now, he's moved to another part of the car. He's grabbed another item of, like... Yeah. And he's walked back into the house. So, it, it looked to me like he knew that there was a chance the police would come and check up on him that day. And if it looked like he was making an effort to move his stuff out, he would have been in the clear. Yeah. That's how it appeared to that's, me. That was what I... That's what I sort of thought. Yeah. So, that was, that was Wednesday morning. And then, during the course of the day, like, I went back past again in the afternoon because I went to pick Nate up. Mm. And switch cars again because I switched back to the yep. to the family car, and it did not appear any different. Then my dad did a drive by, and he noticed something that that I hadn't even thought of. He'd actually reversed the car into the gate, and so his tow bar was interlocked into the into the gate, like the bars of the gate, oh. effectively locking, locking the, gate. the gate. Right. Yeah. So. And he's put a deadlock on the gate too. Yeah, yeah. My gate. Yeah. <laughs> he's put a deadlock on my gate. He he saw your changed locks and raised you another changed yeah, lock. Yeah, yeah. How can you access your new fancy new locks if you cannot access the yeah. doors themselves? Yeah. And then it, this it gets even wilder. So I've got jack of it by, by this point. So I ring the police again. The police did not want to help. So well, I, didn't, I didn't ring triple zero. Take a step back though. Because the police had actually gone by... The night before. No, right? this was that night, I think. This was that. No, I thought it was I thought it was the night before. Sorry, they, so they, you're right, you're right, yeah. you're right, you're right. So so the police did say that they were gonna go back and see at five o'clock and apparently endeavoured to do that, but got they called did. to something more no, pressing. They at the did time. go because I got missed calls on my phone. But that was at eleven o'clock at night. Yeah, eleven thirty. So they tried to go at five o'clock when they said they were going, but they got diverted to something else that was more yeah, important okay. and then went back later. Now then, Alex gets uh, missed calls from an unknown number at 11 o'clock at well, night. I'm a, dude, I go to bed at 9 o'clock. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I've got do not disturb them. And the thing is, you never got, who's answering an unknown number at 11 o'clock at night? I, know, anyway? I do, because I wanted, I'm still adamant that I want to get one of these Amazon. I want to talk to someone at the Amazon prank centre. Yeah. I want to talk to them. You, you must be such a broke ass that scammers aren't even trying to get money out of you. They're trying all the time. This is what is, is annoying me, especially about the Amazon one. Mm. Slight tangent. That the Amazon fraud thing which is automated mm. already knows that I'm not going to fall for it so stop trying the same thing like to hit me with something else so just cancel that now you're just wasting my time you're making me annoyed mm. but your intention is to get money 
So now hit me with another scam. Even if you change the voiceover to, from Amazon to this is your eBay account, you mm-hmm. are outstanding of 36. Hit me with something else. Give me something fresh. Yeah, but even scammers know that you can't get blood out of a stone. Anyway, let's get back to, to the actual story. So, so yeah, they, they had been there at 11 o'clock the night before and tried to call you. And the reason being was when the police had showed up at the property, there was lights on inside the property. They knocked on the front door. No one answered, funnily enough. But because they didn't have a key, they couldn't yeah, actually yeah. gain entry to the property. Yeah. So they're trying to call you to see if you could get a key. So then, then, the yeah, the next day I get Jacob again. I ring, I ring the police. I'm like, dude, the guy's still there. He's he's cur- he's breaking and entering in and he's staying. Yeah. Right. Let's do something about it. And the next step is the property manager organised with the police and a, and two trucks mm-hmm. to rock up there pick up all this stuff and go to the dump. Yeah, take to the tip. Yeah. yeah. So that happened on that happened on Friday. I don't know. He was actually out like it seemed to be that he was out all day yesterday. Yeah, so I so today's Saturday, so we're talking about Friday when we say yesterday. I had driven past at about uh, lunchtime because mm. I had my appointments in in Ashmore, so I I driven past on the way home and he wasn't there when I got there. And you had told me that at that point, the real estate had already been there with mm. the trucks and removed a whole bunch of stuff. There was still heaps of shit in there. Yeah. Not nowhere near as much. So I don't know, I don't know how big the trucks were. It was probably a yeah, question yeah. to ask. But the guy wasn't there, but I had a wander around the property. It looked like, from what I could see through the windows, that everything had been pulled out of the house. So there was mm. nothing in the house anymore. There was still stuff, a lot of stuff in the front yard and behind at that, the back door. But there's also still dogs out the back. Yeah. As well. Another wild thing was there was when I, when I walked in the property on Tuesday, there was wardrobe doors that were missing. Yeah. And then there was other random doors in the hallway. And he's like, Oh yeah, no, I just took them off and I'm painting them to put them on. And I'm saying, mm, no, they're they're like front doors, you because they've got mm. different interlocking systems. And I don't think they're gonna fit. So he's, he's like, no, no, that's for them. You know, I just painted them up and they're, they're going to go back on. So they stay. Yeah, on Thursday, they were out the front. Yeah, because they were out the front yesterday as well. I'm still yeah, there. Yeah, so he's, my doors are being stolen, currently being stolen. But are they actually your doors? I don't think they are my doors. I think, I think they're stolen doors from somewhere else. But where are my doors? Here's my question. Where are my doors? Well, I, he sold your doors. I have three doors. Where are my doors? He sold your doors to buy Timmy. <laughs> <laughs> So it's been an absolute farcical shit fight, to to be frank. Yeah. Now look, do I have okay, do I have sympathy for the bloke? The bloke's probably got nowhere to go because point seven percent retail occupancy on the Gold Coast, so he's probably got nowhere to go. And I and I, I cop that for sure. But what I don't cop is when I go down there and I realise there's probably fifteen grand's worth of stuff here hmm. and sometimes you've got to sell stuff to pay your bills. Yeah, and, and the thing is I I've we've had this conversation during the week. I don't cop the the sob story because if if the sob story is legit you show up to QCAT and you tell your sob story yeah. and they side with you the yeah. fact that he didn't show up to QCAT yeah. I don't buy a sob story yeah. and at the end of the day he's he appears to be a single bloke like it's not like he's got a family and a baby or something like that that you're throwing out on the street and no he told my property manager he's got a son <laughs> really yeah I've never seen him he's not he's not on the He's not on the list. Like, there's no evidence that this person exists, but he said he's got one. 
Yeah, I think he's referring to the planet that he lives on has a sun <laughs> yeah, that yeah. it revolves around. Yeah. Oh, that I didn't finish the. So the wild thing was when the police are there on the first time on the on the um, the Tuesday, mm. and he's telling him, "Yeah, I've got a trailer coming up." He's just sucking on an icy pole <laughs> at nine thirty in the morning. He's looking at the cops sitting on his on his shit, just going, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah, five o'clock, I'll be out." <laughs> He did the, not. The icy pole that he was storing in his in his industrial freezers that was still plugged into the front yard. A hole was cut in the in the mesh screen for the kitchen, and the cable was run inside. <laughs> so who turned that on? And this, this, this is the thing. So like, and I didn't notice that. Obviously, your property manager did. That's standard practice. Like, and the police just keep saying, "Well, we can't prove that he was inside there." Yeah. Oh, so did the cable fall into... Mm, it must have. Yeah. No, but you just went and planted all that stuff to try to get this guy in trouble. That's that's what you did. Yeah. But that's what... When I went there yesterday, I was hoping... Because I, I walked in with you on the phone, but I had my phone out. Because I'm hoping that he's in the house and I can at least catch him on camera. Yeah. That he's in the house. Uh, so, you know, then you've got actual evidence that it's yeah. a break and enter. But... Yeah, it's... it's wild, man. It's it just... Is. Well, even that... So just go back to, to Tuesday for a second... Can you imagine if he wasn't in the shower and what potentially could have happened? Because yeah. if you were to walked in and let's say that he's on the couch with a couple of mates, yeah. that's a problem. Any alterca- altercation would have been a bad altercation and highly yeah. risky and I'm not 18. And No, but it's even legally highly risky because you've already seen how much the, the police have tried to... Not It's not that they're erring on his side, but... You can see how difficult it is when it's a he said, she said sure. scenario. Yeah. It is it is almost impossible to ascertain who is in the right, yeah. who is in the wrong. Yeah. And the thing is, it would be so easy for a tenant like that to argue, oh, he tried to evict me, I came back to get my stuff, he showed up and he bashed me. Well, and, and I think that's what he wants. Yeah. Because in it ideally that would probably get him Money or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, are there levels of provocation there? He's just, he's just trying and trying and trying to, Mm. to provoke an action. And look, I would say everyone that I've spoken to about this, ninety percent of the people I've spoken to about this matter, Mm. their go-to is send boys around. Yeah. And I'm like, no, no, that's like, there's a there's a system in place, there's a process in place. Mm. The process seems very slow and very, you know, but. There's a right way to do it, and I'm going to do it the right, the right way. Yeah. Because I think he knows that's his best out. That's his best opportunity. Yeah. So this is this is the the counsel angle I was going to tell you about before. I think what the 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 ideal way of approaching it next time is because if you believe anything on council land, so the strip outside your property. So I don't know if most people know, but you don't own that land that's out the front of your house. Council does, and if you leave items on that you can get fined by the council and the council will usually remove it and bin it or sell it or, or mm. whatever, depending on how, how valuable the item is. So what I find so I so frustrating about this whole thing is your front yard in within the gate literally looks like a tip. There is so much stuff in there. Yeah. It literally looks like a tip. But you've had police there, you've had advice from your real estate. There, there is... There is literally nothing you can do about having that stuff inside your gate. Yeah. 
But if you move that stuff outside the game, like oh. when the boat got moved outside the game, oh, no, uh, yeah, all of a sudden, the council's got a problem with it. the council puts a yellow sticker on everything. Yeah, so what, what I think we do next time is instead of, you know, sending the boys around to bash the bloke, you just send the boys around to carry all the stuff out the front gate and call the council and yeah. say, hey, there's all this stuff out here. And you take photos of it. Yeah. And you just, just forcefully remove it. Do you know what I didn't realise, which is pretty raw, is the, in the process for this particular situation with pets, mm. RSPCA take the dogs. Yeah, well, are they even his dogs? I don't know. I didn't know he had dogs because you're supposed to put on a... I would have allowed dogs. Yeah. But you're supposed to at least say that you've got them. The dogs would be the cleanest animal that live at that property. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But because, yeah, they were still there yesterday. They were out the back. Yeah. So I remember when I was on the phone to you and I, was, I walked around the side and there was a gate there that wasn't normally there. It like, looked like a new newly fashioned gate yeah. and yeah there's there's a couple of little dogs in behind it so those dogs are probably going to a better place so the, it, it's been a saga man so I'm, I'm still like I'm really coming on my third month of drama mm. uh, with that with that place and look it's not always like that no but sometimes it is sometimes it is yeah. and when it is like that it's real tricky like that that's been the thing that stand out for me this entire process has been so difficult mm. because... You just think, yeah, you, you would think that someone's doing the wrong thing, that person gets removed. Yeah. That's not how it works. There's so, yeah. many, so many moving pieces. Yeah, and it seems to be like that way in a lot of parts of life where the people who play outside the rules tend to win. Yeah. And and they, they know the rules and they study the rules so they know exactly what to do. And like you were saying, those, those evasive things that he was saying... He's learned that. He's done that before. For sure. That that's not something that you just think of on the fly because a normal person, normal law-abiding citizen, answers those questions properly yeah. and is actually scared of the police and was like, "Oh yeah, like you guys are serious. I can't get. I'll get out." Yeah, I'll it's got stuck in an icy pole. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> on well, a, <laughs> during a break in it. Yeah, well, he needed his icy pole because you'd interrupted him from finishing his orange. So <laughs> yeah, you could, <laughs> he always needs to <laughs> Anyway, so that that'll wrap that up. But yeah, if there's any other. Um, uh, We'll keep it posted. Advanced. Yeah, we'll keep the, it posted. The developments. On so, thing number two, let's go to the scans. Yeah, boy. Because, so yeah, it's been three months since we got our scans. And Do I talk about my testing first? Oh, yeah, yeah, you can talk, talk about your testing because you did some different stuff this week, right? Yeah, so uh, with all the house stuff, I actually didn't go to the gym on Tuesday and, and I did a couple deals on, on Tuesday yep. as well. So, um, so your call to me before about Blood Everstone, I'm pretty, pretty flush at the minute. We've got, cat, the, we've got cash dog. At the minute. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, at the minute. So, uh, bought myself a new drivey. Um, I mean, it's only the end of financial year, so yeah, it's a pretty difficult time to sell cars. The Not for used cars. That's, that's that's new car month, mate. I'm selling in a new car month. That's a good idea. It's all used car months all the time these days. Yeah, because there's no new cars. there's no new cars. So, I went on Thursday, so mm-hmm. I've still got some of the... And I've still got, I think two or three exercises left to do. Yeah. So on Thursday, I did chin-ups. Mm-hmm. And I did... A... It, I was just thinking for a second that you, you can actually use the term chin-ups. Chin-ups for what you did. Yeah, I can. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. That'll make so, sense in a second. So, um, <laughs> I, did, I did chin-ups. Yeah. I did uh, a cardio one, which was 500 metres on the rowing machine mm-hmm. then 600 metres on the assault bike and then run all the way down to the end of Bishop Street 
and all the way back up, mm-hmm. timed. Yep. And also, what was the other one I did? Oh, squats. 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 Uh, back, back squats. Back squats. Yeah. So barbell. Bar on your back. On your back. Squats. So the chin-ups. Chin-ups had to be, so uh, like a, clo- a close grip, palms towards your head. Not a wide grip chin-up, like a close. Oh, palms towards you. Yeah, palms towards you. Yeah. I did. Both chin-ups. <laughs> he, he did the minimum requirement I to did, call them ups. I did both, <laughs> both chin-ups. I did. Yeah. Well, can yeah, I just ask, on. what's the what's the theory behind doing the palms facing you? Don't know. That was just... Is it because they're easier? Don't, oh, don't know. Probably. Probably. Because yeah. they are. Yeah. Oh, way easier. Yeah. yeah, but I did both, both, of both of them. Yeah, successfully. Yeah, so, so successfully yeah. completed both the chin-ups. You could say like one was left and one was right, and then I knew that I could. Do yeah, it you want to keep your body even. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then I did the, uh, then I did the squats. Now, I have not done squats basically at all this year. Yeah. I've not done any weighted squats. I've done lots of squatting exercises, but I haven't done this formalized back squat. Yeah, like heavy weight back squat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I have done them before. Mm-hmm. And I did 130 kilos. Yes, that's really good, man. I was not that impressed with it, But only because I based myself off the skinny guy next to me that got me by 10 kilos. Who's been training for years. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, who, so did, who was shorter than you? No, about the same height. Oh, same height. I'm trying to give you some excuses. Yeah, here, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. And then the the 500 row, 600 bike run down the inner street and back I did an 8 minutes and 6 everyone's like oh it's got to be sub 10 it's got to be sub 10 it's got to be sub 10 Ben the guy that I sort of based myself off he did it in 6 and he's a he so I'm better at him on the bike but he's amazing on the rowing machine and very good runner yeah okay. and he looked fresh I almost died when I got, when I got back but running is a running's a skill too. As you as you get older, you start to realise how running is actually a skill. Uh, especially when you have to teach yourself to run again after you've done 130 kilograms uh, of yeah. squats. Yeah, true. Because I was running and I was like, "Oh, do I run like this now?" <laughs> like yeah. this real weird sort of thing about it. Like this is not how I run. <laughs> and it took me like halfway down the street for me to realise, like, what for me to come good. But yeah, that that was brutal. So we've done the testing, and then on Friday, the day after, I got my uh, DEXA scan. Yeah, yeah. So yesterday. Yeah, so I, I was planning on doing some testing stuff this month, but because of this push for better challenge that I'm doing, it's just it's too hard when you're doing all that volume as well at the same time. So I'll do some stuff next month, give myself an extra month of training. So how do you want to announce? I'll just like to give you my Dexa, and you can you can read it out. Now, I, I, I let's do this. Look, I, I reckon what we do, we don't have to go through the whole things, but there's some pretty key metrics that we can look at as far as improvements, and those key metrics I would say would be. Body fat percentage, yep. uh, total amount of body fat that you've lost during the time, yep. total amount of lean mass you've put on during that time, yep. and the bone mineral density. Yep, I agree with that. That's probably the main things that we're looking at, isn't it? I think that is the main thing that we're looking at. Is that the main thing that we're looking at? I believe it is. I think it is the main thing we're yeah, looking at. Because yeah. going through the I think specifics it, of the different body parts yeah, and stuff. There's will, no point in trying to see that your left trunk is one kilo. Yeah. Left, do you agree? Left trunk. Yeah, yeah I would agree. Okay. I would agree. All right, you all heard that. Here okay. Okay, so we'll start with body fat percentage. So my body fat percentage was 34.7% at the beginning. Mm-hmm. My body fat percentage is 33.4%. So 1.3% down. Okay, cool. As far as body fat percentage goes. How did you go? 
So mine was 28.8. Mm-hmm. Mine is now 27.0. One point wow, 1.8 percent down. Yeah. Wow. Very well done. Yeah. Well done. I'm happy with that. And yeah, 20. Yeah. Yeah, 27 percent. That's pretty good. Mm. That's very, very much getting close to where we want to be. Uh, my total amount of fat lost during that time mm-hmm. is 1.823 kilos. So mine was one point. Well, okay, mine's written in grams. Oh yeah, so one thousand eight hundred twenty-three grams is what I lost. Mine's one thousand eight hundred seventeen. Smashed you. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And my total amount of lean mass that I put on is four hundred forty-two grams. Mine was one thousand nine hundred seventy-nine grams. Of Holy yeah. shit, boys! Yes. Yeah. Two kilos of two kilos of muscle. So so okay, uh, I was thinking about this because oh we'll do bone, bone mineral density and then I'll then I'll talk about some interesting points. So my bone mineral density, uh, what was it? Yes, yeah. this is the one that I always stuff up. Yeah, I don't think it's actually listed on. Oh, actually, hold on, I've got it on my phone. Because they send me the results. Oh, no, no, one's here, one's here. Yeah, so you start with yours and I'll pull mine up. So my, my bone mineral density was 1.102. And it's now... Is that... So 1.102, is that the grams per square, yes. square centimetre? Yes. So 1.102. Yes. Okay. And then mine is now 1.111. So I'm up by 0.9. or It's a 0.8% increase okay now the guy said the guy who did my test said he goes look it's hard to tell because it's so close it could be just an anomaly in the yeah in, yeah in, in the testing um the only way to really know is to go back in another three months and if it's still going up yeah then you know you're moving in the right direction yeah. but he wants more he wants he wants a, a, a larger increase yeah because that still puts you as a negative as far as t-score goes doesn't it yeah, 0.9. Yeah, so still at a high risk of uh, osteoporosis. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so my bone mineral density was 1.284 grams per centimetre squared. Yep. And my bone density is now 1.325. So it's about 0. 0.4... Oh, 0.040 increase. Sorry, ha- ha- point, what increase, sorry? Point... Uh, Point zero four. Oh, yeah. But yours is already high. Yeah, so, that's, so my, that's my T scores are one point two. So yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm you're, in the healthy you're, range. You're yeah, really yeah. high up in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um so what I have found interesting about this stuff, because those is there anything else in specific that you want to go into? I think those are the main things that we're tracking. No, that that's all that I was tracking. Yeah, cool. So yeah, total total amount of mass put on, total amount of fat mass lost. I basically swapped two kilos of fat for two kilos of muscle. That's unreal, man. Mm. And so I was thinking about it even with, uh, so with the four hundred and forty-two grams worth of muscle that I've put on, I was like, I'm 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 real. Put it this way, I'm relatively happy with my results all overall because my last three months have been pretty well. Uh, inconsistent because of the illnesses and stuff like that like this vertigo thing it was a month yesterday that it's been affecting me for 
and I haven't lifted anything heavy during that period of time. Mm. But I thought about it, and I was like, 442 grams doesn't sound like much. No, it doesn't. Well, it doesn't. But then I was thinking, if you go and buy a 400-gram steak, it's actually a pretty big amount of steak. Mm. So, it's not as big as a two-kilo steak, though. No, it's definitely not. Like, yeah. that's a... Yeah. Like, that's massive. They put challenges to eat one-kilo steaks. And yeah, so and it, imagine, and doing challenging. Two, imagine doing two of them. Yeah. So, so dude, that's huge. Congratulations. Yeah, he well, was... so. Uh, and I'm not one to blow my own horn, and I don't like shitting on that. <laughs> but <laughs> the guy even gave me two thumbs up on the on the muscle build. He's like, that's from to go from that to that in three months. He's he's like, bam, double thumbs up. Yeah. And I don't think like this is the first time I've met the guy. Pretty sure he doesn't give the double thumbs up. Just everyone. Oh, <laughs> uh, I don't know because we our uh, the teacher at our daycare that we love always talks about how Nate is like her favourite and everything and we just thought he was special and then Amanda went to pick Nate up the other day and overheard her having the same conversation <laughs> with another parent so maybe he does give the double thumbs up to everyone no, no, no. because he no, but, like you think about that's three months three months of training mm. and it's real it's pretty much all you've changed so you've done training and you've had a bit of protein powder that's it oh, and reduced alcohol that's the reduced reason. alcohol yeah that's yeah. the only thing that I've done yeah so so that's that's amazing Two kilos of lean lean muscle mm. in three months. I can feel it. Yeah. Because Tasha's Tant- really. like, so what made me realize that I, I knew I was going to have a conversion of fat to uh, to muscle. I knew it because A, I'm doing something. Well, it's not a conversion. No. It's, you burn fat. Swapped. And then you swap muscle on. Yeah. Because yeah. so, that's an old myth that you can turn fat into muscle. Yeah. That's yeah, a real I old. That. But um, because I kept weighing myself. And every time I weigh myself, it just reads the same. And it, but I can physically feel yeah. more muscle on me now. Oh, what's your total weight? Uh, I think it went up a little bit. See, mine went down. My total weight was... It depends if... Are you going off the scale? See, they weigh me at 103.4 no, on the scale. No, I got scan. The, the scan says... My scan's 101.7. So I've gone down slightly. I'm down um, 1.2 kilos. The skin, oh, 102.959, which is a cool, that's my motorbike. There you go. 959. So you're, you're almost two kilos heavier than me now. Oh, no, sorry, you're one kilo heavier than me now. Yeah. Um, muscle. It's a shame that that muscle doesn't uh, translate muscle. to chin-ups, doesn't it? No, but it does literally everything else. <laughs> uh, well, if you do want to get down to some of the other details, what I did find interesting, if you go through all of the different masses in like your legs and your arms, all the different areas. I actually lost muscle in my legs during the last three months. And I've, I've purely put that down to, because I've been so sick, I haven't lifted anything heavy. Like, so your back squats, I, I can't do really heavy loaded back squats at home because I don't have squat rack. So when I do back squats, it's like 50 kilos that I'll pick up off the ground on, on the barbell, stick it on my back and do a set of squats. Yeah. But I haven't done any of those for three months. So with this challenge that I'm doing at the moment, the push for better thing, so it's, it is supposed to be push-ups, but they say, look, obviously mix it up so you're not, number one, completely wrecked in your chest, but also number two, so your, your body's not uneven. Yep. So from the beginning of the month, I was doing push-ups one day and then bent over rows the next day and then back to push-ups. I've actually changed that up based on these results because if, I've, if I'm losing muscle mass in my legs, so I'm going push-ups, bent over rows, and then... Uh, kettlebell squats so just with like a 16 kilo kettlebell like a, a front loaded front squat um 
to try to make sure that I'm not atrophying my legs For sure. too much. Uh, but, mate, congratulations. They're, they're really, really good results. Yeah, I think I said on the last pod that I wanted to get 3%, but that yeah. was me having no idea how any of this works. Yeah, so which I'm happy is, with two. Well, well, that's the thing. That's that's why, in my head, I'm like, I just want to be. I just want to see that I'm losing body fat and I'm putting muscle on. The percentage will be what the percentage is at the end of that, but those are the things that I'm looking at. I want to lose body fat and I want to put muscle on. So for me, my, my number one thing was losing fat because, again, when you're, when my training has been so interrupted, I could still do some diet stuff. For sure. Right? For so sure. for me to lose almost two kilos in body fat, I was really, really happy with that result. The training will, will be what it will be, and I think that now that I'm on, on the up, I definitely think that this next three-month block I can go a little bit harder in the training and mm. be more consistent in the training. Uh, but all in all, I think these scans show you the importance of getting scans and getting For real sure. data because how much more motivated are we now? Yeah. Like, consider what most normal people go through. Like, you've done, you've been very, very consistent, you're paying money, you're seeing a trainer... And like you said, the weight on the scale stayed the same for the whole three months. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if you don't, and I go, wouldn't if, if if I didn't do the scan, I wouldn't know about the potential for osteoporosis. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that, that's that's a very real real thing. Yeah. So at least now you know, we're taking these steps to know where are the the gaps in our mm. body health, mm. and and we can actually yeah take the steps to counteract that. Same as you know being able to add squats back in. All right, cool. I've lost my muscle mass in my legs, and I put it on my upper body. All right, so let's. Uh, Let's throw some squats in and make sure I'm I'm doing the right thing. So wouldn't I mean? Surely there's, <clears throat> surely there is variations that you could do. Like, couldn't you just dumbbell up and do, um, lunges? Like, wouldn't that? Yeah. Look, it's it's you could get the same effect. For sure, it's not as efficient when you can't lift heavy, heavy. Yeah, but I've not done. Don't forget, I've not done squats. But I only did it for testing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, but I I have. You've been doing a lot of deadlifts too. I haven't done any of the heavy, de- yeah, heavy deadlifts either. Deadlifts. Yeah. Well, well, you've got the weight now. I've got the weight, but again, I've been, I've been sick. Yeah. And the problem is too with the inner ear stuff that I had, mm. which maybe this might be a segue into that. Uh, you know when you've got like a cold or something like that, and then you... No. S- whatever. And then you, you, like say you lift something heavy and you feel that strain and the pressure inside your head and you get no. like the ears popping and stuff like that. Someone with as much uh, muscle mass as me doesn't have... I don't have that. So any of you out there who can do more than two chin-ups, can you know what I'm talking about? Uh, and and you're not at advanced risk of osteoporosis for as a 35 year old male. You, you know that. Um, but now I've lost my train of thought. Where was I going? Oh yeah. So when I found when I attempted to lift heavy, I was getting really bad pressure and pain mm. in my ear. So I've just not done it. Yeah. So segue. BPPV. Ear issues. So, as of yesterday, it's been about a month that I've been been struggling with this, and it was a really, really interesting experience. So, I went to two different doctors during the last few weeks. Both of them told me the same thing. You've just got loose crystals in your ear. So, ear infection was the first thing. Mm-hmm. They gave me antibiotics for the ear infection, and then they were like, you've got loose crystals in your ear, and they'll just sort themselves out. That's what two different doctors told me. Mm-hmm. So then I played Google Doctor, which I spoke about last week, and I came across BPPV, which my symptoms mirrored what I'd read about that particular disorder. Came across this thing they call the Epley Maneuver, which is a series of movements which are designed to get you to 
remove these ear crystals from your ear canal. And I performed that about just over a week ago, performed that maneuver and got some degree of, of relief after sure. doing that, but was still dizzy most of the day. Not the full room spinning vertigo like yeah. I started with, but still relatively dizzy uh, for most of the day, getting really fatigued as well. Mm -hmm. And I had mild headaches for the past two to three weeks. And I never get headaches. I didn't get headaches yeah. from a hangover. So yeah. that was obviously a key indicator for me. So I'd done all this research and I found uh, the GC physio in Ashmore. That there's a, a lady there who actually specializes in BPPV treatment. So I booked in and I had my session yesterday. And it was super interesting. I felt like I was in an episode of House. Because she's so knowledgeable on the subject. Yeah. And she... So we've gone through this... And a prick. <laughs> yeah. And old. But... So she's gone through this questionnaire. And putting on a fake accent. Yeah. I'm actually British. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so this questionnaire that she's gone through is... She, it, it felt like she was a detective and it was an investigation because she was trying to get me to think back right to the first day and stepping it through and... Uh, sure. Everything that happened, what were the sensations? Ascertaining a timeline. Yeah, well, timeline, but also... Uh, so, anyway, I'll, I'll wrap it all up in a moment. But So, we went through, we did the questionnaire stuff. She did some very basic uh, sitting in front of me and having just my, my head stay straight, my eyes following her finger stuff to look for any irregularities in my eye movement. Then we did some exercises where they strapped these goggles to your head and so imagine like swimming goggles mm -hmm. and one of them is completely blacked out, but it's got a camera in it. Mm -hmm. The other one starts and it's open. So your, your eye can be exposed to light. Mm -hmm. And the theory is that both your eyes will do the same thing regardless. So if there's light on, on one side, uh, your camera eye will still do the sure. same movements. And we did a series of maneuvers with the goggles on and they actually how good's technology these days plug it into our iphone there's an app in there that they use to like record your eye movements and everything so you can watch it all back mm -hmm. so we did all these movements with that on then she covered up the other goggles so i'm completely in in the dark did all these other exercises and stuff like that as well record all that sort of stuff and then at the end of it she did like uh it was really interesting did an eye test so you know when you go to get glasses you sit there and they've got the page on the wall with mm. all the letters on it so at the beginning oh, letters yeah. So at the beginning, I <laughs> you're just sitting there going squiggly lines. Yeah, you're like uh, hard with it. Yeah. <laughs> so sitting there reading through it from top to bottom, and then she's like, "Okay, so that's your baseline. Now I want you to do it again." And she stood behind me and she wobbled my head the whole time I was doing it. And when I got to the point where I couldn't read them anymore, and I could tell I was straining too to try to to try to read these things, so. I was three lines above where normal, a normal person who's got no issues will get to two lines above. Yep. I was three lines above when I made a mistake, which indicates there's a problem. So, it turns out I did have BPPV mm -hmm. because my symptoms were completely in line with what sure. someone would expect. But I also had a secondary thing uh, called vestibular neurosis. Mm -hmm. And the reason why she could ascertain that is because the first day, and it was really the first couple of days when it when it hit me, I literally was, I was out. I had to sit on the couch with my eyes closed because the room was spinning all day. And BPPV stands for benign paroxysmal 
positional vertigo. Right. So keyword being positional. So if you get that room spinning sensation, normally with BPPV, that will subside as the, like it normally happens, you move your head and the crystal dislodges and it starts moving sure. in the fluid. And then once it stops, the symptoms stop. Yeah. The fact that it happened for multiple days straight meant that it was this vestibular neurosis as well, mm. because that is inflammation or damage to your vestibular nerve that's in your inner ear. Mm -hmm. So doctor sort of had a middle ear infection. Looks like I had both middle right. and inner. She also said it was in, she had the shits too that the doctors didn't refer me to someone because she goes, they diagnosed you with a middle ear infection, but they should know that middle ear infection can't dislodge crystals. Ah, Because okay. they're actually located in your inner ear. Yeah. So she thought she had the shits for that. So funnily enough, she goes, because when we did all the testing, all the BPPV symptoms had gone. Mm. She goes, you've actually cured yourself of BPPV by doing the Epley sure. Mover. But the reason why you didn't get as much relief as you were expecting was because you had this vestibular neurosis. Yeah. So she's given me exercises to do to strengthen the connection between that nerve, my brain, but also my eyes. Yeah. So it's all balance and eyesight exercises. Yeah. So it's things like... Uh, is there, is there um, on this sheet, is there lean muscle mass for the eye... Holes? As as you're the guy sitting there with glasses on, I don't think you want to talk about the strength of your eye organs. <laughs> I'm growing too much eyeball, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Just on one side of your... <laughs> so, so, yeah, they're, they're really interesting. So it's things like um, standing up with my feet in, like, in line, so obviously it's difficult to balance, and holding this little piece of paper with an X on it, and moving it from side to side and, and tracking it with my eyes and trying to stay upright. Then there's another one of standing with my feet tight, close together, so it's a little bit easier to stand, but sort of moving it side to side, but moving my head in the opposite direction and keeping my eyes on it. And then the third one is standing on one leg with my eyes closed and trying to balance and just running through these things for, it's a minute, a minute, and then 30 seconds each leg, and then doing that five times. Do you know what's funny? I've seen that, that exercise regime before mm. in an old like 1950s men's health magazine. Really? Yeah, and it talked about to build concentration. Okay. And one of the other ones they said was look at yourself in the mirror, eye to, like eyeball to eyeball for yeah. three minutes or something. Yeah. Yeah, and that seemed like things like that. Is that like giving yourself a checkup from the neck up? No, no, it was it was just I think it was just about trying to focus on something. Yeah. You know, because yeah. like we, we we would do it and then the phone would come up. <laughs> <laughs> we'd flick it through Instagram, you know. And we'd be no, we'd be watching the audio podcast. Yeah. So yeah, super, like and subscribe. super interesting. Um, so what's okay? So you got to do the. Have you done any of the exercises? So I did. I did them yesterday. Really taxing on my brain. Yeah. Like it's so you run through the three different exercises five times total, so it's fifteen minutes total. And by the end of it, I could feel the brain drain going. Sure. And the whole the whole idea of it is you're literally exercising that nerve, and you're you're helping to repair the connection between it and your brain. Mm. Because essentially what happens with that vestibular neurosis is because it's damaged, it's just sitting there in the background sending the wrong signals to your brain all day. Yeah, okay. So it completely adds up to like the fatigue that I've been experiencing is because my brain is spending so much neural energy counteracting the faulty signals it's getting. Yeah. By the afternoon, I'm, I'm exhausted. Yeah, and it must be using, using resources from your... 
the muscles in your legs. To yeah, well, uh, it would make sense. Yeah. You know, you've you've got to try to find the the best energy that you can get. So it's mm. it's gone Depleting as bad. No, not <laughs> um, oh, sorry. If you, you and I said a little bit more. So uh, so I've got to do those exercises for a week and go back. But she also said that in a in a typical person, it takes about six weeks for the vestibular neurosis to completely heal itself. Now these exercises should speed it up a little bit, but I'm three. Oh, three and a half, four weeks into the six-week period. So hopefully in a couple more weeks' time, I'll be completely golden. Mm. But the other thing too, interesting what the headaches were from. So the headaches are not are not related to this per se. She goes, it's really, really common. She goes, you haven't had BPV for like a week since you've healed it with the Epley maneuver. But she goes, have you avoided the movements that would normally set it off? I said, yeah, absolutely. So normally turning to my right or putting my head back would set off mm. the BPV. And she goes, yeah, this happens all the time. Your neck muscles are so tense because you're trying to keep your head straight all day, every day because you're so paranoid about it. I was actually getting a strain headache. Oh, interesting. From... It's like what an office worker would get. Yeah, yeah, yeah same, okay. same sort of thing. So I, as, literally as soon as, I, as I've had it diagnosed that the BPV is no longer there, I already feel better mm. because I'm not so paranoid about head movements and stuff anymore. You need to put on headphones mm. and listen to The Art of Shredding by Pantera. Yeah, it'll... That'll get your neck moving. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it'll probably rupture my uh, inner ear again. But yeah, look, it was was a really interesting experience. And to me, it showed the positives of listening to your body and playing Google Doctor. Yeah, for sure. Because I had two doctors tell me, just just wait, like it'll it'll sort itself out. Yeah. But then I've had an actual specialist in the field say, like she was stoked that I went online and actually researched it myself, and I attempted the maneuver. Well, what what I was most surprised about is in, in your version of this story is saying that there is someone that specialises in this thing that I've never heard of. Yeah, well, I'd never heard of it either. Yeah, and I mean, to the the medical information that I was given was you've got loose ear crystals, and I'm sitting there going, "What the fuck does that mean?" Yeah, like I have no idea. So went home, did the research. So you can't if you. If you get if you get news from a doctor and you just don't feel like it's either A helpful or B right, like I'm never a big fan of being told you've got an issue, just do nothing. Surely there's something that you can do mm. for most issues, conditions, whatever, to at least help your improvement. Surely. In more more cases than not. Well even even if you just think about it from a practical standpoint, you've spent how long do you really spend at the doctor's office? Like your GP, five minutes? Well, yeah, I, I made I made the crack. No, I think it's less than that. Yeah. I, I made the crack, uh, I think it was last pot or maybe the pot before. I think I've been to the GP 15 times in the last six months. Yeah. But not just for me, but also for Nate as well. Mm. I reckon I have spent a, a total of 20 minutes inside yeah. a GP's office. So they just whip you in and whip you out. Even if you do find out from the doctor what it is... I'd be going home and researching that yeah. thing as well because there will be... Look, there might be something as little as, you know, stay away from salt during that where your doctor mm-hmm. hasn't... And you don't expect your doctor to tell you that. Yeah. But if you do a little bit of research, you might go, oh, okay, well, I'm going to do whatever it takes to advance my position Yeah. and, and do that research yourself. Well, even so... Because I got my ear infection after Nate had an ear infection, so we must have got the same viral issue which caused ear infection. But even, like, our... Uh, the girl at the daycare centre was was asking about Nate when he had the ear infection. And she's like, oh, just make sure that you don't put his head underwater. And then we're like, what? 
And she goes, yeah, it's really bad because if they get water in their ears, it makes the, inf- the infection's really bad. So this kid's on antibiotics from the doctors. Doctors didn't tell us not to yeah. put his head underwater. Like, that stuff's really important information to know. So I would, I would encourage anyone who, if you, if you have some sort of health issue and you don't feel like you're getting the right... Or even if you are. Or even if you are. If you're getting the right information, just do more research. Do more research. Do some stuff online yourself. Again, look at it with open eyes, like Alex said the other week. Don't just assume the worst every single time. Go to multiple sources. Get a second opinion from another doctor. And if you if you if you feel like it's something like I've 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 rarely seen specialists in the past, mm. but this thing was just debilitating. Like having a kid at home, and you know I was so I was so concerned about things like he'd be in the bath, and then my head would start spinning. Like, what if I pass out and he falls over in the bath and drowns? Like, that stuff's concerning. It was debilitating yeah. to have this condition, so I sought professional help for it. And I'm really, really glad that I did. Mm. Uh, because now I'm actually on the, the pathway to recovery. And a, a lot of the, 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 the issues that I was experiencing now were actually being manufactured by me thinking that I still had the big PPV when I didn't. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, definitely. But, yeah, super interesting experience. So, I want to talk about... My favorite topic, which is it, the NRL. <laughs> so I watched the full game. Oh, sorry. Can I just, just can I just interject one last thing from the fitness testing? Yeah. Which I've just looked over and seen. Uh, according to BMI, mm. I've slipped down into the overweight category instead of being obese. I think one still says obese. Hold on. I did see. I didn't look at it properly, but. Obesity one, brother. Yeah. I'm still obesity one. So, but how does that work? Because it's just based on uh, kilos and height. That's all it is. So because you're heavier than me, even though it's lean mass, and this is so this is the illustration of why the BMI ain't shit. So Alex has got about what six or seven kilos more lean mass than I do, but because you're slightly heavier, you're obese and I'm overweight. And do you know who? Do you know? It's got a little note here. Do you know who comes up with the BMI? The World Health Organization. Uh, so it says yeah. the World Health, Health Organization Body Mass Index Classification, WHO Classification Obesity 1. Just another example. So, well, the World Health Organization also doesn't think that Taiwan's a country. So, anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mo- moving on. <laughs> right, John Cena. So, <laughs> I watched the full State of Oregon game. So, I'm impressed that you did. Yeah. I'm, and surprised that you did. And I'm glad I did. Not. It was a shit game. And I want to give you the idiot's guide, my critique of the Yeah, I, I'm not going to say anything. I want to hear your perspective okay. on it. Because I, I also find it interesting that you said it was a shit game right from the start. So, New South Wales deserved to win. They played... Uh, I don't even... I, I couldn't see the strength in the New South Wales team. I could see the weakness in the Queensland team. And where I, where, where I was instantly concerned... Was I reckon in the first ten minutes, the amount of times when Queensland had possession and they just finished a tackle, there was a bunch of guys all packed together, mm-hmm. slowly walking back to get in line mm-hmm. in this bunch, all packed up. Where like two guys down, the 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 tackles happen and then they're they're passing off. To me, they were not in the game. Mm-hmm. They had. Well, having that massive clump just created massive opportunities mm. for, for New South Wales. Mm. And New South Wales just picked them apart. Like, mm. literally picked them apart. 
I don't think they had a strong finish at the end of their sets. Queensland. Queensland. Yeah. yeah. They didn't seem to do anything or progress anywhere. Like, and, and you could see them kind of looking for like, you know, on the on the fifth tackle, they're like, uh, mm-hmm. they didn't have a set plan. Whereas New South Wales seemed to have mm-hmm. like a real thought out strategy mm-hmm. that they just kept milking, and it worked, 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 and it worked. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say that I think the refs were good. I, I, mm-hmm. I think it was like maybe one contentious call, which was a. Um, that, that I deemed as contentious, but probably is probably not, which was a linesman called a obstruction. Yeah. Uh, but that was like the only, you know, that wasn't game changing. So, refing good. Uh, New South Wales, obviously good. Uh, Queensland, not, not even playing the same sport. Mm-hmm. That was my... So that's your critique of it. That was my critique. So, it's important to note that because... You're not an NRL fan, and everything the NRL has done in recent years is to try to bring other people into the game. So as someone who is not an NRL fan, watching the showpiece event of the NRL season and having that response to it, that's obviously a bad thing. Mm. So there's a few things to unpack out of that. Firstly, I'm going to say, on the refereeing front, I agree with you, was refereed extremely well. Mm. However, it wasn't refereed in line with what they've been doing on weekends, because I think that the NRL has gone, we're getting so much heat because of all the send-offs. If we send off someone in this game, there's literally going to be riots. For sure. So there were probably at least three or four instances of uh, penalties given that on the weekend would have been send-offs, and they didn't send the players off. So people are already shitty about that. Because I agree, that's the way the game should be ref. Mm. That's something we spoke about. Like I think that's... We knew that that was going to happen. Yeah. You said that the origin wasn't going to be ref like that. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. they didn't want to ruin the game. Yeah. And I believe the refereeing was perfect. That's how I'd like to see it ref. Yeah. Yep. Uh, there were a few contentious calls. There always is. 50-50 yep. calls, and depending on what side of the fence you're on, yep. you're, someone's going to be unhappy. Yep. Right? But there's probably the, the, the biggest example of one that I can think of off the top of my head was when one of the Queensland forwards, Mo Fonawaka ran out of the line and took Latrell Mitchell out long after he'd already released the ball, uh, that would have been a send-off on the weekend yeah. under the current rules, and he didn't get sent off. So they actually, those, those the change in referee probably benefited Queensland. But this is where I've got a bit of an issue with where the state of the game is at now, is blowout scores are becoming more and more, uh, oh, more, and prevalent. more prevalent in the game. And the reason is this, the six-again rule. So right from the beginning of the match, uh, New South Wales was on the, on the attack. They put a kick in, and we gave away a penalty because Daly Cherry Evans shepherded someone off the ball uh, when they were trying to make an attacking yeah, play. Done. And the penalty got given. Now, that shepherding act gets done week in, week out, yeah. and that's a 50-50 call every time. So I'll admit, I was surprised when they called that a penalty right at the beginning of an Origin game. It did surprise me. I thought it was a bit soft. So, I see. I didn't. I my instant. I remember that one. Yep. And I'm like, uh, I would counter your argument with, don't do it. You know you're going to get pop broke. Now be they. Now be that thing you don't. 
And if you watch the NRL every weekend, mm. you'll realise why they do it, because they don't always get popped yeah, for okay. it. It's literally every attacking high kick, someone tries to shepherd a player off the ball. Yeah, okay. It's every time, and they often don't get caught. That needs some work then. That's right. It needs to be more black and white. Mm. And and what I, what I will say, just to throw it out there, uh, Richie McCall is widely regarded as the greatest rugby union player of all time. Mm-hmm. He was an easy on captain forever. Mm-hmm. His hallmark to his career was that everyone knew he always played on the borderline of foul play. Sure. That's why he was so effective. Because he was the best guy at breaking the rules without getting caught. Yep. Right? So every high-performance organisation is trying to do that in every sport, yep. no matter what you play. Yep. I agree with that. So the problem with the six again rule. So we gave away a penalty, New South Wales scores, they get the ball back. The next play is probably one that you're thinking of, which was when New South Wales were attacking, they've kicked in behind, and Kyle Felt has taken out uh, Josh Adokar, who was running down the sideline, who was no chance of getting to the ball anyway, yeah. but that was when he turned around and backed into him, yeah. gives away a penalty. Yeah. So then the problem is, you've so you've got the most high-intensity clash that you can, and it's a state of origin. Like, NRL is always about field position. Mm-hmm. And state of origin even more so because you've got the best of the best playing each other. So the defences are usually very, very strong. So depending on where you start your sets on the field is going to dictate how effective you can be. Because you're rarely going to get uh, you know, someone making a break on their own 20 metre line and, and being able yeah. to, to meet up with the under and score a try. So right off the get-go, the possession was well and truly weighted in New South Wales' favour. Because we'd given away penalties. Sure. Queensland had given away penalties. Stupid penalties. Stupid penalties, for sure. The Kyle Felt one, that was really dumb. Yeah. That was really, really dumb. Yeah, let him go. Let him chase it into the end. Yeah, and, but, and again, that's that's half the problem too, is that, again, a lot of people get shepherded off the ball every single weekend and nothing gets called. Yeah. So it's that's a 50-50 call. And if the 50-50 in state of origin, which normally those games are decided by two or four points, is to take out the the guy off the run who's the fastest dude on the field, who's trying to chase down a score try, maybe you would do that. But the player needed to understand that there was no way even at full flight that guy was ever going to make it to the ball. Like, that hit was, it was a Queenslander's mistake. Oh, completely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but then the problem is that... So now you've got a situation where in the first 15 minutes, uh, Queensland has already been dominated field position-wise. Then the next thing happens, which uh, Christian Welch, who is our best prop, and our most experienced prop, who was the guy who was really f- for Queensland making it happen in the forwards, he got a head injury and went off for a head injury assessment. And he didn't come back for the rest of the game. So our our, our forward stocks were already a bit thin because Josh Papali, who's probably one of the best props in the comp, he was out, I think, because of suspension, he was out. Mm-hmm. So we already didn't have him. And they got another guy who did a really good job for us last year is called Lindsay Collins, who was out because of injury as well. So... Two out of our top three best props were already out. Then our third one goes off. Now, when you're in a situation when you're camped on your own line and you just can't get out of your own half, yeah. that's when you need those those big experienced guys to lead from the front and get yeah. you out of there. So then you've got the issue where it gets compounded again because we're already tired from all the defensive work that we've done because we've given New South Wales the bulk of the possession. You've then got the best prop gets sent off. So our, our forwards really... They're, they're young guys that looked very aimless but you're under so much pressure because you've got to think too, this whole time you're tired, New South Wales is super fresh because all they're doing is attacking. There's no there's no, no defending that they're doing. So they've got all the energy in the world. When you do get the ball, 
to rush up on defense and keep for sure. Half. But explain to me why the Queensland line on attack was, but they they seemed tired. And the the the, the um, point that I'm, it was they're at the halfway mark, mm-hmm. and I'm looking at these guys facing the wrong way mm-hmm. on attack. There was like six blokes together, and I'm thinking, what are you doing? They're wrecked. So when you when you've got a massive weight of possession against you and all you're doing is defending, so you're thinking. But they weren't defending. This is what I'm saying. No, but they were defending before that. Yeah. So because they had to defend so hard, and then you've got to think too. When your best prop goes off after 13 minutes, that stuffs up your forward rotations mm. as well. Because you're thinking you're getting a minimum 25 minutes out of him. So then you had Tino Faso Malawi, who should have probably only played 25 and then gone off for a stint. He had to play the first 40 minutes. So he's stuffed. Yeah. Like so, that's the problem. Is that with the six again rule, it does make it exciting because when you're giving away these ruck infringements, they just give another set and another set and another set, and it's defend, 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 defend. That by the time you get the ball, you don't yeah. have the energy to get out of your own half, and then that's why. Now look, New South Wales played one of the most complete games I've ever yeah. seen at Origin level. Tommy Trebojevic and Latrell Mitchell. It was super interesting the way that Brad Fittler used those guys because it was like old school football where... So you, this is something that you probably wouldn't, wouldn't understand as not a big NRL fan. So back in the day, the centres, so the centres are the guys inside the wingers, they often used to play on the same side and play as a tandem. So they would play off each other. That's mental to me that a centre is off the one side. That's a, that's that's the beginning of the end for me. Yeah, but so the inception of the game, you did it wrong. The centre's on the side. Well, no, you should be you should be called a winglet. So you're not, quite, winglet, yeah. Yeah, you're not on the wing. You're a little bit in. You're the winglet. Yeah, well, we're also in the country that uses the metric system, and the number six position is a five eighth. So, like, oh my right. god. So, <laughs> but so back in the day, the, the centres would quite often uh, play as like a tandem on a, on a attack. Now in the the NRL over the last however many years, that went away because they were so worried about having set defensive lines and whether or not players would be able to get back onto like their defensive positions yeah, okay. that they kept them split on the opposite side of the field. So there's two centres? Yeah, two centres. Okay. So, so technically, so there's only really one centre. So two wingers? In, in mathematics, two the centre of something is a one-off. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Carry on. yeah. yeah. Uh, it's it's not a look. There's a lot of maths in the sport, but it's is very simple maths. Is Do they know it? Is it uh, on this side of the field? We've got three players versus four defenders. On that side of the field, we've got four attackers versus three defenders. Let's go that side of the field. That's the extent of the mathematics that goes on in rugby league. I think that's called mathematics. Yeah, mathematics. Yeah. Um, but it was so interesting because Fielder got criticised last year for picking fullbacks to fill up pretty much his whole back line. Because they're not like the, the center is a very specialist position to defend. Because out of everywhere on the field, they're probably the position that has to make the most one on one tackles, right? And to do that, you need to make correct defensive decisions. Yeah. Because if you stuff it up, the, the other team's going to score. Yeah, because if you miss it, you tackle, yeah, no. they've got a two on one down the side and, and you, you're stuffed. So, who won the last series? I, Queensland, I did. okay, okay. So, Queensland, who was called the worst team in origin history, ended up winning the series last year, okay? Right. And is this in terms of the that the Queensland squad compared to last year? We're, we're probably worse. 
Because we, we've had a lot a lot of our key players were injured. Okay. So, no, and I say key players, all I'm saying, Josh Papali, Kalen Ponga, they were injured and out. And we also had Cameron Munster and Harry Grant come into the team. They hadn't played a game in a month because they'd both been under injury clouds. Okay. So we were a bit underdone. Uh, but, but not not 50 to 6. Not 50 to 6 underdone. Yeah. No, no, no. No way. Like, and but So getting back to, to Trell and, and Tommy Turbo, it was the greatest centre pairing performance I've ever seen in the history of State of Origin. Really? It was amazing. This is big for you. It's huge. I mean, the, I'm a Queensland guy, yeah. but I, I, I really enjoyed the game just to watch the, the best of the best do their thing. It was yeah. crazy. And what I found so interesting, so dangerous about the New South Wales team is... So in their back line, you've got Tedesco, who's the world's best fullback at fullback. You've got Tommy Turbo, who's the second best fullback at centre. You've got Latrell Mitchell, who's probably the third best fullback at the other centre. But what fullbacks do is they inject themselves normally in the game when they see attacking opportunities. Right, okay. But they also are acutely aware of opportunities to follow up like on the inside or the outside yep. when something's happening, just in case something happens. So you normally only have one guy on the field who's doing that. They had three. They had three. Yeah, and, and they it showed everywhere. It, it showed because they like the amount of just they they're pulling gaps out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. And well, and, it's, and, it's and, and what happened? I think the I mechanics think, of it. Is yeah, because because yeah. you think all these teams are so defensively drilled to have a centre on each side. Then what was happening is Turbo was just popping up on the other side of the field. So then they had an overlap. Yeah. Right? And and, you and have, because the fullbacks are, are they're scanning to look for these opportunities. Yeah. yeah Whereas yeah, yeah. normally, like a lot of centres get criticized for not getting into the game enough because they normally sit on their side of the field and if the ball's on the other side of the field, they don't they sure. don't make any runs or anything like that. So they can quite often go missing. So that was one of the knocks on Greg Inglis's career when he was sitting at centre. Everyone wanted to go to fullback so he'd get his hands on the ball more because he just used to sit on his side. Yeah. He was the most damaging guy on the planet when they got him yeah. the ball, but if they didn't get him the ball, he Tommy didn't Turbo. go looking for it. Sure. Tommy Turbo went looking for it, and it was just beautiful to watch. I think Turbo had three tries, Latrell had two tries, and I'm pretty sure they both had somewhere in the vicinity of two or three try assists between them. Yeah. So you've got two centres who... Yeah, normally centres can score tries, but normally it's the wingers. Yeah. But you got two centres with like eight try involvements in a state of origin game. Yeah, it was insane. it was the greatest centre pairing performance I've ever seen. Do you think that will change the makeup? I always think about these things. When you see something a dominance like that mm-hmm. in that way and when you can break it down that way, do you change the way that you play the game? Like does that become a trend? Maybe. I don't know if you can have that trend at club level because you can't afford to have players who are good enough to uh, to make so those decisions and not have defensive lapses. Like, they need to be able to get back into the position yep. on defence. Like, the Turbo's been a bit injured over the last few years and he came back from injury this year, but the, the involvements that he's had... Like, to put it in perspective, Manly were, I think, 15th or something while he was injured at the start of the season... They've come back. They look like they'll challenge for the premiership. Like, they're that good with that one bloke in the yeah. team. He's the only difference that, the, that they've had. He he is just a freak. And as a fullback, the guy's like six foot four, probably a hundred, just over a hundred kilos. So he's a big, tall body. He's got the biggest motor on the planet as well. Like, he can run all game. But he gets involved with the tough stuff too. Like, right from the beginning of the game, 
uh, I'm pretty sure Turbo took two runs in the first set. Yeah. So normally, the first set's dominated by forwards, and it's just hit-ups. Yeah. It's just give it to a prop, five meters, hit five it up, meters, hit him up, hit him yeah. up. I'm pretty sure in the first set, Turbo had two runs, and James Tedesco had two runs as well. Unheard of at Origin level. Yeah. So I've never seen... I've never seen Freddie Fittler coach a better game. Yeah. I think his game plan was amazing. Mm-hmm. I think Queensland's issues were exacerbated by the early penalties they gave away. Yeah. And I think in the new form of the game with the six-again rule, once you lose control at the beginning of the game, it is almost impossible to turn it around because you just don't have the legs underneath you. It is so tiring on defense now you just don't have the legs underneath you to get out of your own half again. Yeah, but see, my but my brain goes, okay, well, if you if you've because I agree with you, if you mm. if you've had to do twelve sets basically on defense, mm. well, then I would be okay. We might have to concede this try, mm-hmm. but let's not do that again. You know, let's 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 not let's not give away any. Let's be super focused on playing the standard mm. bread and butter game. Not trying to get fancy, not trying to obstruct, not trying to... Do you know what I mean? Like, just play... And that, the, but that sounds great until then you give away the next ruck infringement. And then it's six again on the fifth tackle. And then they're coming at you again. Yeah. So, so you've got to think about, in the old game before the six again rule, you gave away a ruck infringement, they would call a penalty, and then you'd be able to stand around for two minutes while they set up and kick the penalty goal. Yeah. In the new game, that doesn't happen. Yeah. They give an extra six tackles. And then you give away another ruck infringement, they get an extra six tackles. So instead of defending five tackles and having a two-minute break, you defend 18 tackles in a row. Yeah. And you've got to think of how physically taxing it is when they're not one-on-one tackles. So you've got to think, if a ball runner is running the ball, I'm one player exerting myself this, yeah. at this moment, and then I have two or three players running out of the line, grabbing me, wrestling me to the ground. So one involvement, three involvements. Yeah. So then you think of how much that multiplies when you're defending six, 12, 18 tackles yeah. in a row... You've had 18 players exert themselves. They've had three, 18 four. times three exert themselves. So if six again is not, not the answer and the penalty is not the answer, what is the answer? Look, tap, tap and run? No, I think, I think the six again rule, I do like it. It does make the games entertaining. It's If I had to make a decision to better the game prevent blowouts and have favourable player uh, outcomes, I would increase the bench from four players to six players uh, okay. and I would allow for two or two or four additional interchanges so you can have more fresh yep. players on the field. That's what I would do. Because the games are entertaining, but the other thing too is that NRL has always been a gladiatorial sport and what I really used to enjoy about games way back in the day was... So when I say back in the day, I mean when I started watching, which was the 90s, the Broncos teams, the reason why the Broncos beat all, all the other teams was because they were the fittest. Mm. So it didn't matter. They could be 20 points down, but as soon as the 60th minute mark hit, yeah. they would just roll over the top of teams yeah. every time because they were the fittest team. And you don't want to remove that fatigue element from the sure. war of, of attrition uh, because we sort of did that a little while ago too, and then you got the spade of just every team would just pack their bench with the biggest you know, fastest, most aggressive interchange forwards that you can. And they would come on, they'd only play for 10 minutes at a time. They would just belt the crap out of the other team and go off. Mm. And that wasn't what we wanted either. Yeah. So I do like the six again rule. I just feel like with the six again rule around, we're seeing so many more blowouts and that will continue 
until potentially some other mitigating changes are made. Because yeah, you by the time if, if you give away three six again, I don't know how many ruck infringements they gave away to get six against, but I reckon it was multiples. Yeah. If you give away three or four of those in the first twenty minutes, I you you're pretty much done for the game. Yeah. Speaking of done, mm-hmm. I'm done. You're done. I'm done. You're done. Mm. All right. Yeah. Oh, let's let's wrap it up. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks very much for joining us. We'll see you next audio.